Experience the joy of running in the new Triumph 22 from Saucony, the original running brand. Stacked with luxury foam cushioning, Triumph 22 turns miles into smiles with the ultimate blend of comfort and energy return. Shop Triumph 22 at Saucony.com. That's S-A-U-C-O-N-Y.com. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Welcome back to the Highway to Hoover podcast, a production of SEC Extra at D1Baseball.com. I'm your host, Joe Healy, and today I am joined by Derek Terry of Batcat Central, a fabulous Substack newsletter. I highly recommend. I subscribe. You should as well. It's really good time to talk UK baseball for a couple of reasons. One is because, well, they're the hottest team in college baseball if you're looking at raw win streak totals. Uh, and also uh, the UK men's basketball team flamed out over the weekend. And that's a season ending that I think everyone in Big Blue Nation can agree was awesome and great. And no one will have any issue with the way the basketball season went. I think we can all agree on that. Uh, so, you know, if you're just kind of coming over from basketball, welcome. Uh, you're coming in at a good time. This team is playing well, playing really, really well. So I'm excited to get into it. And before we talk, Derek, uh, first of all, thanks for coming on. And before we get into specifics uh i should say derek has been a long time friend of well maybe not the program but friend of me i guess he uh we we kind of first crossed paths for for those who have followed my journey here i you know ran a site called college baseball central what feels like a lifetime ago but really has just been i don't know five years ago or so and i did a podcast with that and derek was kind enough to come on and uh talk uk way back when uh and Twice, so he's i think Twice, yeah. Look at, oh, oh yeah, you no. you were yeah, we were two timer. <laughs> All right, yeah, that's right. There there was a handful of people I got around to a couple of times. So yeah, so he's he's been kind enough to give me his time before. I continue to bug him to give uh, you the listeners UK baseball content. So Derek, again, I I appreciate it. I'm excited to get into it. Yeah, happy to be here. Uh, whenever I left sports writing full time, uh, I guess it's been over a year now. Didn't know if I would be back on podcasts and on radio shows and things that you get used to doing whenever you cover a beat. So I feel honored to to be asked back to talk a little bit about UK baseball. Yeah, man. Well, happy to have you. I mean, first of all, like uh, just quickly, like what was your, you know, you started this newsletter, I guess, but first of the year, basically, I guess. Um, what was kind of your thought process there? Were you just kind of itching to to get back into it? Walk, walk me through a little bit how you decided to take that route. Yeah, there was. uh an element of that I wanted to I felt like I missed writing a little bit nothing crazy because I switched over to a government job a public information office so I still write I mean it's still what I do for my job I'm still writing stories so um the sports void though you know I still enjoyed writing about sports and here in the UK market it's it's a very saturated for basketball and football I didn't feel like there was anything I would be able to offer fans, you know, that wouldn't already be covered by somebody else. But I thought with baseball, you know, it is, uh, we're talking about the basketball team. I mean, for a lot of people, I think, you know, they don't turn their attention to baseball if they do at all until basketball is over, you know, spring football is still going on here and it's, it's definitely grown in recent years, but with baseball, um, I felt like it's kind of a, for the normal beat riders, it can be hard to get around to. And I felt like I could, 
offer a little bit, write some stories that maybe others wouldn't cover. Um, I'm not sure how good of a job I've done at that yet, but I do think as time goes on, I will uh, write some good things and make it worthwhile. But that's pretty much where that idea started. I I call it my Christmas break. I took a week off of work around Christmas, like a lot of people do, and um, built uh, on my sub stack. If you actually go to the website, I have like a recruiting tab, which is probably the one thing I'm really proud of on this. If anyone comes to read my newsletter and you care about Kentucky baseball at all, I put a lot of time into covering the recruiting. I tried to make kind of full scouting reports for everybody for all their commitments, um, at least the ones who were, I think, from 2025 and, and down to 2023, uh, just because I feel like it's one of the hard things to find if you're a fan and you care about the future of the team. If you don't have a perfect game or you know PBR account or whatever, you're probably not going to know much about these kids until they get to campus. So that was one area I focused a lot of my time on. Uh, I'm proud of how it turned out. So I also have the schedule and things like that, but those are, that's easy to find other places as well. I mean, it's, it's the other thing about recruiting too. I think you've, you've hit on something there just because in football, I think there's a little more of, if you're a Kentucky fan, you might care a little bit what Georgia recruiting is doing and Florida recruiting is doing South Carolina, et cetera. But in baseball, you know, because it's so weird and there's the draft and there's the, you know, kids recruiting at 14 and then flip-flopping two or three times. Like, I just think people pretty much care who their team is recruiting. I don't know that there's a lot of cross-interest necessarily, you know. So I, I think it is kind of an interesting niche because you're right. It's also under, for all those reasons, it is also kind of an under-reported thing. So that's, you know, if, if you if you believe, as I do, in in the idea of, you know, good ideas tend to be find something that no one else is doing and then just go and do it. Uh, I think you, you've, you've nailed it on that one for sure. Yeah, no, I do think you're right with the recruiting. I mean, it's one of the probably frustrations you hear from casual fans is it's just hard to know. Like sometimes, I mean, they've had kids who they committed who no one, you know, you know, the, the pop-up guys they called in scouting who Jackson yep. Merrill a few years ago, who's one of the top prospects in baseball now. I mean, he's a guy that when he committed to UK, uh, not, this is not to call it a perfect game by any means. I have people over there that I like a lot, but he wasn't even ranked, you know, and this is a guy who ends up being a first round pick. So uh, definitely they it's an inexact science, how they do things uh, in baseball scouting. But I, I think it's a good way for, for people who do care about the future. And really, I mean, UK has kind of gone a little bit smaller in recent years just to leave room for the portal. But this class has 16 commitments. So this is one of the bigger classes Kentucky has signed in recent years. Well, I think it's, you know, uh, that's a good, actually a good transition point to talking a little bit about this team because it does feel like the portal stuff. And I've not talked to Nick Mangione about this specifically. This is just kind of Joe's own hunch, just looking at things is that, you know, the portal was being used to kind of reboot the roster quickly and let's, let's get old, let's get good. And then let's kind of reset recruiting a little bit. You know, it feels like there are teams that kind of do, Texas A&M last year comes to mind where it's like, let's reboot the roster and then start recruiting over and, and, and lack of a way of putting it. And so perhaps that's that. And of course, you know, Kentucky off to a, a fantastic start this season, 14 game winning streak. Um, you know, I was, I was, I was there for one of the two losses. I was there opening weekend at, at Elon and, you know, they just ran into a good pitcher. I mean, that's kind of, I think all there was, there was to that, but have lost just one more time since opening day. Um, what has stood out to you most about the hot start for the team? It's a broad question, but let's, let's start there. Um, I would say in general, to start with the offense, I think it's just been a very opportunistic bunch. Um, you know, really the only negative stat you could even point out with this offense to this point is it has struck out quite a bit. Um, I think it might even lead the SEC in strikeouts. But besides that, 
Yeah, it's top five in a lot of categories. Uh, I have it here. Batting average, I think they're second on base percentage. Six most hits, second double, second triples. This is not a team that's going to hit a ton of home runs. And really, it kind of seemed like the ball was kind of flying out of Kentucky Proud Park this past weekend because it's usually not a park where you see a ton of home runs. But uh, both teams had several home runs over the weekend. But in the style that they play, I mean, they'll. it doesn't really matter where you are in the lineup. I mean, they're willing to bunt. Uh, they do a lot of bunting. I think they lead the the SEC in sack bunts um, by by a quite a wide margin. I think it's like a plus 12 margin uh, in that regard. But, you know, the, the hitting, the offense has had its games where it's exploded. I mean, they've had multiple games. Really, the past few Sundays have been very good. They scored 21 runs against Southern Illinois. Uh, came back against Mississippi State, scored 17 runs in seven innings, or, well, six innings, I guess, six at-bats. Uh, run rolled them in the top of the seventh. So they, uh, you know, that's a mix on offense of if you go around the diamond, I mean, you have guys who came from the portal. You have guys who have been developed within. It's, it's a pretty good balance right now. So the offense, I would say, is probably the biggest question just because there were so many new guys stepping in from that you know, weren't here last year or if they were here, didn't really play. Um, but I do think overall what's impressed me is, is definitely the pitching staff. Um, I wrote this in one of my first newsletters. You know, this is not a team that if you go around the SEC, other teams are going to have more you know high-end draft prospects, guys are going to be picked. But just the overall depth I thought was pretty impressive coming into the season. There were just a lot of guys who had experience, a lot of guys who have gotten outs. And then if you go t- towards the younger guys a little bit, a guy like Mason Moore was huge this past Friday, you know, threw over four innings against Mississippi state shutout innings um, to really kind of keep Mississippi state at bay and allow Kentucky to, to rally there late. You know, he's a young guy, Travis Smith, who's actually throwing right now. Uh, Kentucky's playing Eastern Kentucky as we record this. He's a guy that, you know, in the midweeks has done pretty well. He's not been sharp every time, but you would kind of expect that from a guy here in his first year. Uh, in college baseball because he redshirted last year. But just the overall group, I think pitching coach Dan Rozelle has done a great job. And I think they've done a really good job in the portal evaluating the guys that they've brought in. You have someone like Logan Martin who hasn't thrown in a few weeks, but you know he broke camp, for lack of a better word, as the um, Friday night starter. And he came from a Division three school. Um, and you think about what they did last year. Sean Harney, well, Harney was there for two years, but he came in from UMass. And then Tyler Guilfoyle was – First team all SEC, and he came here from Lipscomb. You know, and then you go to this year with some of the transfer guys they brought in. I mentioned Martin Bosma was originally a transfer. Darren Williams, who I know you wrote a big story about, uh, was in his seventh year, a Kentucky kid. So they've done a good job with the guys who they have brought in. You think about Ryan Hagen now, a guy who was, if you were going to equate the recruiting rankings to a basketball or football type ranking, I mean, this was a five-star kid that they brought in. I think it was number 25 nationally in perfect game and struggled with some command last year, walked too many guys probably. Um, and he's been in a kind of a short stint bullpen role and he's been incredible this year. Hasn't given up an earned run yet. Um, struck out several guys. His, you know, the opponent's batting average has never been good against him. It was just, he was putting too many guys on base. And now this season that he's really cut down on the walks, he's been really good. So we'll see how it stands once they, you know, face some, some higher end teams, uh, but, you know, Mississippi state had some good kids at the plate and overall I still thought it was very good uh, this weekend. So those were kind of the things and they're not really giving up too many free passes, you know, going right after hitters defense has been playing good. I mean, really to get to 18 and two and to have a 14 game winning streak, you have to do several things pretty well. And I mean, I think that was a long winded answer, but the easiest way to sum it up is, 
they have been opportunistic on offense whenever you've given them openings. They've take, typically taken advantage of it. And defense and pitching, you know, they're not putting guys on base for the most part. They're making the plays in the field. And the results has been a team that was probably way off the national radar entering the top 25 in mid, mid-March. You uh, First of all, you gave the disclaimer that I always forget to give because I do a lot of these these interviews on Tuesday afternoons and evenings, and I always forget to give the disclaimer of if something crazy happens in the midweek game that we're not talking about, it's because we are recording before it's over. So that's I'm glad you reminded me of that. Um, you know, all the pitching, I was on a – I did the podcast um, – weekend recap podcast uh with uh Aaron and Kendall and, and Runes the other night and they asked me about Kentucky and I said the thing about their pitching is that all these guys that are pitching what not all of them but many of the guys who are pitching well right now are guys who at one point or another we thought were going to be real dudes for Kentucky you know it's you mentioned Hagano and uh Zach Lee and Bosma, Darren Williams, and there are others I'm I'm just forgetting off the top of my head, but they it feels like they've only ever had like 75% of those guys healthy at any given time. Yeah. Right. And so it just kind of feels like, and look, health is so much a big part of this, but it does feel like a lot of what we're seeing now is just that no, these guys were always talented. It was just grow, you know, growing pains and or injuries with these guys. And I think maybe we're just kind of seeing that they're, they're, it's an old pitching staff now full of guys who we, we kind of always expected would come around at some point. It is a very old staff. I mean, we mentioned Williams seventh year. That's, that's just not going to happen. I mean, you have a normal red shirt, the medical red shirt, and then you throw in the COVID year. I mean, this is really a once in a lifetime type of opportunity <laughs> for a guy to still be in school. Yeah. But now, I mean, you think about last year too. I thought last year's staff was good. It's just, the team really suffered whenever Cole Stubb had a season and an injury and Darren Williams, who basically just became a, you know, weekend starter had, had thrown the ball really well. He goes out as well with an injury and they were kind of shuffling. And I think, I think you saw it towards the end of the year after they took the Sunday game against Florida there late in the year. It had been a bit of a rough stretch up before that, but then they came back the next weekend, the only team all season to beat Tennessee in a series, which is still kind of wild to me. Uh, but that happened, but they played very well that weekend. And I think it ended up going maybe nine and six down the stretch in SEC games had a good run in Hoover, but the overall body of work was not enough to get into uh, the NCAA tournament. But I think you kind of felt that momentum carry over into this season to this really good start. And I, and I do think the pitching is a big reason for that. I mean, I, I was thinking about it at Elon, um, you know, the way it worked out and it kind of worked this way for the first few weekends, where Logan Martin would throw on Friday, Darren Williams would kind of just come in and finish the game. He was great at Elon first game back. Yeah. And then uh, on Saturday, you know, they started Bosma. Bosma was very good that weekend and had, I think, Austin Strickland come in. They were really doing a good job where it was like only needing two or three guys. And it's kind of stayed that way, really. I think, you know, if you were to talk to Rozelle or Nick Mingione, maybe, like, they're definitely going to take these results. They're definitely pleased with it, but it's like, where do you find innings for some of these guys? Cause yeah. they're, they're good pitchers that we still haven't seen a ton of. Uh, and Matt Cotto has had some, he's had some illnesses, things like that. I think he's had a bit of a frustrating spring, but he's a guy that if you talk about the draft prospect rankings, I mean, he's the one everybody loved. All the scouts loved him because um, he pitched up in the Cape last year, did pretty well. I think he'll get worked back in here pretty soon once he's healthy again. And that's just another arm here that you know if you run him out there on a Sunday how many teams have guys that you know throw 95 from the left side coming out there on a Sunday so yeah. sorry my cat's hopping in here for the sorry gonna watch cat the has, has things to say you know yeah <laughs> but uh no I, I do think that like 
Rozelle to me is one of them. You know, I think all their coaches have done a really good job, but this was a guy they pulled in from ECU. I mean, a, a very good program where they got to leave in 2000 and uh, after the 2019 season. And, you know, they maybe haven't developed the, I wouldn't say developed, they haven't had the, you know, Zach Thompson, Sean Jelly type, all SEC frontline. You know, they're going to be a high draft pick type guy, but the the floor, I would say, there's very little drop off in a lot of these guys. A lot of these these guys that they send out there are getting outs or throwing the ball well, not walking guys. And if there is someone who comes in and is struggling a little bit, you know, they can go to the pin pretty quick. So I do think the overall depth is what's going to allow them to, you know, continue to to play well. And we'll see. Like I said, I mean, the schedule's brutal. I'm sure we'll probably get into it at some point. But, you know, looking here after the Georgia series, which I don't think will be an easy series by any means, but once you hit uh, about the middle part of April, I think I, based on D1's rankings, um, I want to say something like 20 of the last 22 games they play against teams ranked in the top 25. So, yeah, that's... we'll see. You're going to need all those arms to be going pretty good to uh, kind of survive that stretch. Yeah. What, uh, you know, it remains to be seen what the, the coaching staff actually does, but what would you, Derek Terry, do once Logan Martin is back and is healthy again? Do you... You know, do you do a piggyback with him and him and Darren Williams again? I mean, do you do? I mean, just kind of um, what do you what do you see as maybe being the best way to deploy him once he's back? Yeah, me personally, I kind of like you know having Darren Williams, a guy who has so much experience, being your Friday night starter. And I thought just kind of the way Logan his stuff works, I think I think he could be a guy who, you know, really I don't think you could go wrong with either because the advantage for Darren Williams is he's done both throughout his career. I mean, he didn't he. he he was started off as a reliever at EKU, eventually worked his way into the weekend rotation, came here as a reliever, worked his way into the weekend rotation. So he's, he's cool with whatever it is. I kind of like starting him, though, and then bringing Logan Martin in and just however long he can go, just because I think his stuff kind of could play up a little bit more, too, out of the bullpen. I mean, he's a guy – he's going to bring more velocity than what Darren Williams has. I think his, you know, off-speed – or his slider, anyway, breaks a little bit harder um, than what Dubs does. They call him Dub, Darren Williams. Um so I kind of like that, but I think he's a guy that uh, Martin is, you know, one of the people over there in the, in the office has told me they thought he, that he was the best arm they brought in out of all the transfers. And they've had some good ones. And I think he was a guy very late, uh, started popping up on draft boards last summer. So I like him. I think out of the bullpen is something I could definitely see him going to, especially, I mean, Williams has been, he wasn't super sharp against uh, Mississippi State, but if anyone watched that series, I think the high – or whenever that game was going on, it might have been in the 20s. I mean, it was a very cold yeah. weekend. Uh, we used all of our good weather here in February, I think, because we had some great days in February when the team was on the road, of course, uh, starting yeah. out the season. So we used up all of our good days. It's going to be another few weeks probably before uh, the warm weather gets back here in Lexington. Such is life in the more northern areas of, of the SEC footprint. Shout out to uh, Columbia, Missouri last weekend as well, where they were kind of having to fight to keep the keep the game going at, in temperatures above, above freezing. Um, on the offensive side, you know, I'm curious how much you agree with with this. I mean, going into the season, if you had told me uh, James McCoy, who was talking about pop-up guys, like big summer in the Northwoods, and then, you know, everybody got really excited, and understandably so, that's not a dig. Um, you know, he, he jumped up high on our draft boards here at D1, and 
But if you'd have told me he was going to be hitting 221 with a, you know, roughly a 33% strikeout rate and the two of the three best hitters in terms of average were going to be Emilian Petre and Jace Felker, I mean, no disrespect. I mean, I think we kind of all, I don't want to say all saw it, but Petre was a guy you were hearing about as, hey, he's he's ready to make a, a big jump here. But I would not have guessed they would have been two of the three best hitters at this stage of the game. So if you'd have told me that, I might have thought, uh-oh, um, you know, that things are not necessarily going the way they had hoped offensively and in fact it's the opposite where it's you know I don't maybe there's not super I mean there's not Dylan Cruz in this lineup right Right. but like one through nine and really maybe even like one through 12 if you want to start dipping into the bench is is really really solid and does a lot of things well it but I just I didn't see it playing out this way in a lot of ways but the lineup as you alluded to has just been so so good from top to bottom yeah, I do think the one area you're talking about with James McCoy where I think it has shown up is the power numbers. He was really going to be counted on to be a guy to deliver um, that. And I think he's only hit one home run. He finally hit his first career home run this weekend against uh, Mississippi State. But Hunter Gillum has been a guy who stepped in and kind of filled that void a little bit. I mean, he had a great weekend against Southern Illinois. You had Devin Burks, who had a crazy – I think it was against Indiana State maybe, who had just a crazy weekend uh, where they couldn't get him out, tons of extra base hits. Seven doubles that weekend. Seven doubles, yeah. I yeah. mean, Petre is a guy that they liked. I mean, he was popping up last year, but they just had, you know, Daniel Harris was very good. And then, of course, Ryan Ritter, um, no one was going to play over him. You know, he's too good of a player. Um, but right. they liked him, and he was a guy, too. You know, a million has a really cool story. Just a guy kind of blew up over the course of, you know, COVID, a guy who, I mean, there's nothing like what he was, I think, at the time when he committed to UK. And he had a great summer. I think he led the Cal Ripken League in batting average. But it's just kind of like – it's always hard to know in those summer leagues. Like, he was hitting the ball really well, but he's shown up here and has just kind of kept doing it, uh, the yeah. things that he was doing at that time uh, in the Cal Ripken League. So, I do think, you know, part of the reason that they do have to kind of use the sacrifice bonding as much as they do is uh, there is a bit of a lack of power on this team. But I do think the trade-off to that is everyone in this lineup is very athletic. Even the guy like Gillum, who you don't—he's not like a plotter over there at first base. I mean, he's athletic; he can run, and that's just part of how it is uh, with this team. And I think that's kind of—you got to find ways to score runs, right? I mean, if you're not going to be hitting the ball to the park consistently, you got to find ways to manufacture runs in other ways. And I think you've seen it. There have been times, probably, where you know they've bunted themselves into some outs, gave some outs away, but also you see teams throw it away in college baseball. You see teams make their own decision. They put a bunt down the other day against Mississippi state. Nobody covered first base, you know, things like that. If you just put some pressure on the defense and in college baseball, it can work out for you pretty well. Yeah. A couple of things there. One is that I, you know, I, I, I've mentioned to some people that for what ails Mississippi state, Kentucky was just an awful matchup for them for that reason, they were going to bunt and run and they're athletic and everybody can do something a little different. They're not just going to sit there and take hacks trying to hit three run home runs and Mississippi state just, you know, can't right now cannot handle that kind of team. They're just not playing good enough defense and pitching well enough. But um, so that was just kind of a tough matchup for them there. And I'm also going to be fascinated to see, and this will happen. You, you allude to the schedule being what it is um, in backloaded, um, there will be a point where Kentucky falls behind five to nothing in the third inning. And I will be fascinated to see how do they play from behind because they've been doing a lot of playing from in front and look, that's, that's not a dig. I mean, congratulations. Like that's the best way to play baseball games is from in front. Um, that's a skill, but you know, in the sec, they are going to fall behind and I, I will be fascinated to see how they deal with a, to use a, a football term. I hear sometimes a negative game state 
um, and, and having to fight from behind. No, I thought of that too. I mean, it, it it is the kind of team I got. It's inevitable playing in this league. You're going to run into some weekend arms. They're just going to shut you down. And that's where I'm going to be curious to see what level the pitching can get to, like how good can this pitching staff be to keep them in games? And I think that was kind of the case. You look at the Friday game against Mississippi state, you know, they let Mississippi state essentially just walk themselves into trouble. I mean, didn't have to swing the bat kind of the same way to the start of the game Sunday. I mean, just, you know, didn't chase pitches out of the zone. You just got on base, got hit by pitches. You walked, um, but against teams that are a little bit finer, I guess, at on the mound, teams that are going to make you earn it, you know, how many games can they win in those circumstances? And that's where I'm going to be curious to see how good this pitching is. Like, can you keep teams at three to four rounds, just hang around, just keep hanging around in the game, and then maybe late, you know, find a way to steal a few games here and there. But I just think, Joe, overall, though, with what they've been able to do, I mean, I think looking ahead, this is a big series this weekend at Alabama. A good team. I know they just dropped out of the top 25 at D1, but 17-4 and four and, and really competitive at Florida. Easily could have yeah. won that series yeah. at Florida. Um, that'll be a tough one to take, but then you come home against Missouri, another kind of upstart type team you want to say, like sort of like Kentucky where both both these teams were picked at the bottom of the East. Both are ranked right now. So you look at that series a little bit differently, but then going to Georgia, I think when you look in the context of the rest of the schedule – it's very important that you pick up wins here early these first few weeks. If you can get to a point now where you go five and four, something like that, these next three weekends, and you're at eight and four in the league going in, I, I think they're going to put themselves in a pretty good spot to uh, to get back to a regional for the first time since 2017. Yeah, you touched on that in the newsletter you just most recently put out. And again, it's it's uh, batcatscentral.substack.com. Let me try that again. Batcatscentral dot substack.com uh, i read your most recent newsletter and you touch on that and it's a great point because one of the big things about starting three and oh in sec play is the math just gets so much easier yeah. like if, if 14 is kind of the magic number and you can do it with 13 and heck alabama in 2021 did it with 12 regular season wins now at 12 or 13 regular season wins you better do something in hoover but 14 is kind of that magic number Ole Miss last year that was their number in the regular season and obviously at three and oh now you're talking 11 and 16 in your last 27 and that's you know if you are going to be a regional team that's manageable because if, if you don't do that over the rest of the schedule you're probably not a regional team so it's just such a huge first step and, and you're right I mean they've got they do have in the context of the sec a manageable first few weeks here so i I, i'm totally with you that you know it's it's big that they kind of make some hay here and i guess that leads me to my last thing for you real quick is um what here's a hacky sports radio question what are the keys for kentucky actually getting to that point getting into the postseason if we prognosticate and look in the crystal ball kentucky's in a regional at the end of this year congrats to the wildcats how did that happen I think it'll definitely be because the pitching held up and the offense did just enough because I, I do think that's going to be the path, even though it hasn't necessarily been that way so far. I think both sides have chipped in a little bit more. I just think when you talk about the way the roster is constructed, the lineup, like I think the pitching is always going to be what carries them if they were to make a regional. And, you know, I, I think, I think over the course of a weekend, what I've seen, and I don't know if it's going to stay the case, but I, I think the overall depth of this pitching staff, the fact that you do get to Sunday afternoons and you're not seeing these huge drop-offs, that's been an issue, I think, at Kentucky for the past few years. And I think that's going to serve them well. That if they find a way to win a Friday or Saturday game, I, I think they're going to have a great chance to win most Sundays when they go out there. So can the offense keep producing? You know, you still 
they've gotten a guy like Jackson Gray, who we haven't even talked about yet, who had a just a really tough year at Western Kentucky last year, but was really good in 2021. Coming here, probably playing better than expected, at least better than I expected, honestly. And some of these other guys, it's like the people that are playing well right now are not the guys that I necessarily expected to play well. If they keep that up, and then some of these other guys like James McCoy, uh, uh, pretty much McCoy is probably the one uh, right now <laughs> that I would like to see keep playing. Well, Walshman had a bit of a tough weekend too. Although I'm a huge Ryan Walshman fan, I think he, in my opinion, he's he's one of the best players on this team. If these guys, you know, start picking it up a little bit more, and there's not much of a drop off from the current play of Petre Gillum then I think we will talk about this offense differently. Like I will view it a little bit differently. I'm just expecting some of these guys will probably come back to the mean a little bit. So if they do that, can they generate enough runs, find ways to win games? But overall, I I didn't expect them to be at 18 and two uh, and, and playing as well as they are as a team. They're up right now. Uh, as we record this, they're up two to zero. And again, that they should win against Eastern Kentucky, but they have a 15-game winning streak potentially, not to jinx them if they end up losing the day for whatever reason, but they're in a spot that uh, I don't think a lot of people saw, and it's really been, as cliche as it sounds, it has been like a team effort. Everyone is pitching. There's not been one area in particular that has just necessarily carried them and has just overpowered teams. I think the way that they've won so far, they can continue to do so. Yeah. Yeah. It does seem sustainable in that way. And you bring up a good, I mean, McCoy is the name I think that we look at most, but I think one of the other things is whether it's Nolan McCarthy or Kendrell Yule or Isaiah Byers, somebody like that, like finding a bench bat that can kind of provide some punch, you know, those guys are kind of off Ruben church. Yeah. I mean, so I think that's, that's a key thing as well. And some of those guys have not yet, you know, McCarthy and and Byers and, and, and Yule in particular have not really gotten going yet. So I think those are guys you might look at. And those are all guys who were, well, maybe not so much buyers. He was more of a, maybe a defender, but certainly Yule, you, you looked at him as a guy who could hit with some, some power. And so perhaps he's a, a guy we look at there as well. Uh, Derek, I appreciate you joining us again. Uh, great information. And again, if you're, if you're just jumping on the Kentucky baseball train, uh, you're, you're here at a good time because they're, they're playing really well. Derek, I appreciate you joining us. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Joe. Had a good time. That's it for this edition of Highway to Hoover, presented by Brock's Gap Brewing Company in Hoover, Alabama. Go to brocksgapbrewing.com for more information. And remember to mark your calendars for Monday, May 22nd. Myself, Mark Etheridge, Kendall Rogers, and maybe some special guests will be doing a live podcast at Brock's Gap. Stay tuned for more details on that event. You can follow Derek on Twitter at Derek S. Terry. And go subscribe to his newsletter at batcatscentral.substack.com. I nailed it that time. Uh, While you're subscribing to things, subscribe to SEC Extra over at D1 Baseball. Just click the SEC Extra tab at the top of the screen and use code SECPLAY23 for 23% off. Thanks, Derek, for joining us. Thanks to you for listening. We'll talk to you all soon. Experience the joy of running in the new Triumph 22 from Saucony, the original running brand. Stacked with luxury foam cushioning, Triumph 22 turns miles into smiles with the ultimate blend of comfort and energy return. Shop Triumph 22 at Saucony.com. That's S-A-U-C-O-N-Y.com. For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois.